0: I want to go to there?
1: Snipe! I saw it in the and I just couldn't resist it. Francie doesn't like coffee ice cream. Hi, for those of you who just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person.
2: Are we having fun yet? <laughs> yes, yes,
1: 30 hellers agree.
2: Never mind. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. It's a cunning plan, actually. Would you
1: believe
0: it? And you beautiful tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear eyes to the Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Sound On Sites TV podcast. This is Kate Colson, and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going?
1: Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's all right. You know where I'm really glad I'm not is uh, TCA's. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, if, if all of our listeners will know what we're referring to, but every year for about three and a half weeks... Uh, most, I would say about three quarters of the TV critics we care about, if not more than that, uh, head to LA for three and a half weeks of, uh, basically networks and other executives coming up and talking about their shows.
0: Every day, like hours and hours, and then you're doing separate interviews, and you have to write all this stuff up, too, because originally, like, the concept was that then you get all this information, and then when that new show is starting, you can refer to your notes and write it in your, like, local paper or whatever, but this is the internet, and so if you wait to do that, you will be scooped, so it just turns into, like, who can write about... Ian McShane being Game of Thrones fastest, you know, like this is what ends up happening in TCA. So I have no idea how, how the, the brave men and women of the TCA survive three and a half weeks of this, but I doff my imaginary cap to them and I am happy to sit back and watch the tweets.
1: I can see where it used to have uh, a practical use. Uh, Nowadays, it seems to be an excuse for all these people who enjoy each other's company to get together for a while and, you know, shoot the, the, shoot the proverbial shit and I'll complain in unison when, for instance, uh, the heads of Amazon have bad answers for why are you doing a Woody Allen show?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. That, and that it, they're really when you follow these different hashtags or just e- even these different critics on on Twitter, there's such a sense of uh, back of the, like passing notes in the back of the class that it's really delightful to follow. Um, and I'm sure if you're in the room and you know being paid to be there, then that. That is also a lot of fun, but I can't imagine like after Comic Con, like four days of Comic Con, I'm I'm spent, so I can't imagine three weeks of that. Yeah,
1: yeah. It may it makes me think of Fantasia in Montreal, which is a similar length, but that's going to see movies <laughs> like, that I can justify.
0: Fair enough. Um. Well, yeah. So there there's lots of news coming out of TCAs. Um. No- nothing that we particularly feel like we need to talk about this week. Um, instead, we're going to talk about how we are excited to have Piance and Gupta from San Jose back on the podcast. We're talking about Karen Sisko this week, which is a one-season show back from 2003. Uh, very glad to have caught up with that one.
1: Uh, yeah, if, it, if you don't know what it is, basically, it's it's uh, it's based on Elmer Leonard's uh, characters. Karen Sisko was the uh, the Jennifer Lopez character from Out of Sight, if that helps refresh your memory. Uh, here, played by Carlo Gugino, who uh, you may remember having made a a cameo is basically this character unjustified, and if you care about Elmore Leonard or Justified or any of that, or even any kind of, like, fun capery crime show...
0: Robert Forster!
1: Also, Robert Forster is a regular on it, which we didn't know before we sat down to watch it, so that was pretty fun. We got to all this later, so, uh... Hopefully you'll enjoy that.
0: Yeah, that's coming at the end of the show. Uh, We should also mention up at the top, we had our giveaway last week. And thank you to those who emailed in. We had some delightful quotes sent our way um, that we're not going to get into now. But a little drum roll, if you would, Simon. We're going to draw a name out of the hat here. Regine. I'm guessing it's G. Regine from Germany, Uh, thank you for, for writing in and for... Uh, for 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 sending us your quote, and uh, I will get in touch with you to give get you the codes for your downloads. So congratulations, yay!
1: What was the quote?
0: The quote uh, that Regine went with is from Silicon Valley, Ehrlich, when they are uh, talking, taking the meeting with the Romy Rosemont character uh, about her her porn site, uh, and he said, Ehrlich says, um, I. <clears throat> be, be kind, gentle listeners, I'm not an actor. Ehrlich says, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that your sites are some of my primary destinations. Uh, wonderful delivery by T.J. Miller there, of course, and a fabulous pick by Regine. And we will be in touch with uh, with your codes so that you can enjoy your, your season four of Veep and uh, season two of Silicon Valley HD downloads from HBO Digital. So... Congratulations. We've now officially done our first giveaway, Simon. How does it feel?
1: Woo! I feel so unburdened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Regine also mentioned in her email... the A Young Doctor's Notebook because we were talking about John Hamm last week with with Ryan right. McGee and that's a show I've only seen a few episodes but I've really liked what I've seen and that's one that I would love to do a DVD shelf on at some point if uh, if there's a list, if, if if there's a one of our critic friends out there listening who wants to pick it because I I like the balance of tone I did not expect to like it anywhere near as much as I did it's this offbeat kind of show and uh, have you seen any of it.
1: I have not. I am I'm am faint only faintly aware of its existence despite the cast, which is weird.
0: It's the kind of thing that it's Daniel Radcliffe and John Ham um and it's the kind of thing that they can just like go and do because they're Daniel Radcliffe and John Ham and it'll get made um which you know I love I love when when creatives that I enjoy take advantage of, you know, I'm Harry Potter and I'm Don Draper to get something totally offbeat made that never would get made otherwise um so yeah at least what i've seen of it i've really liked so hopefully regine that's one that we'll talk about at some point but uh but we have a full week of tv ahead of us so we're going to cut off the the listener feedback and news portion there and and go right into our weekend in tv uh, i've got i'm gonna try i'm gonna do my best uh, Simon, but I've got an epic, so you think you can dance rant inside of me. We'll see how much of that I let, let out here in this next segment, but we should probably move on so that I do can. I,
1: do, do you want me to give you a two minute warning?
0: We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I guess the listeners will hear how it goes, but for now, okay. we'll take a break and we'll be right back with our week in comedy and reality.
1: The world can be one together, cosmos without headshed
2: stars like diamonds in your eyes. The ground can be space, 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 space,
1: with feet marching towards a peaceful sky. All the moon
2: men want things their way, but we make sure they see the sun.
0: This week in comedy and reality, I'm going to talk a bit about So You Think You Can Dance and BoJack uh, Horseman Season 2. Then we'll talk about Wet Hot American Summer, First Day of Camp, the pr- uh, premiere of Review, Bare Knuckled Brawl, Blackmail, Glory Holes. <laughs> then we'll talk Key and Peele, Severed Head Showcase, and we'll wrap things up with Rick and Morty and Morty Night Run. So, uh, oh, also we should mention, we won't we don't have previews of them, but starting up this week, um, we have play- Playing House Season 2. Very excited for that. Uh, so oh, I, snap. Yeah, did you ever see season one?
1: Yeah, yeah. We I, I saw some of season one.
0: Yeah, I uh, really enjoyed enjoyed that. So excited for season two to start up. And then on NBC, there are two new shows starting, The Carmichael Show and Mr. Robinson. So I'll have thoughts on those next week. Um, also, there's another pilot, Significant Mother, on CW. But because of when we're recording, I'll have to talk about that next week. Um, so,
1: Significant Mother?
0: Yes, yes. It's a it's the thing the guy starts dating the other guy it turns out to be the other guy's mother um you know it's a there's layers like his roommate's mom or something i i could have that wrong that's a general gist general gist of that one um anyways to be continued next week on on the podcast this week I said I'm just going to talk about So You Think You Can Dance. Basically, what I was going to do is bitch about the horrible, horrible, horrible decision by the judges last week. Uh, the judges to save Asif, the shitty, uh, bad attitude breaker, and send the other break B-boy, uh, who actually was trying and had done a good job that week, home so one of the guys sucked and got terrible feedback from the judges and every time that there's a group number you can tell where he is because it's that guy in the back that you can't see very well who isn't doing it who's just doesn't the lines aren't right that's always him and it's hard to see him because he's deliberately cut out of the frame frequently in the way the way that they're directing those large group numbers with the camera, so we just don't notice how bad he is at them. Um, yeah, so they kept him when because uh, there are three people that are in danger. Twitter saves one, and then the judges choose between the last two for who they're going to save. And uh, even though they gave him horrible, you know, like they're like, you did a terrible cha-cha. That was like you you left your poor partner. There was nothing that she could do. WTF, mate. And the other guy had African jazz, and they're like. Yeah, it was, you know, like, he was clearly the weakest of the three, but, you know, he did a good job. And then they sent the guy that they had praised home, and they kept the guy that they had criticized, because the the, the construction of the episode, it's so clear they're building a he's-really-trying-guys narrative around him. Like, they interviewed his partner and had her... It was the most scripted thing ever where where she's like, you know, but he never gives up. And he's, you know, he always wants to try. and He's always really, he's really there and he's doing his best. Whereas last week they showed him talking to a choreographer for the second week in a row and just asking to just not have to do the choreography um, and trying to give up after three minutes. So the the, the dramatic, like I'm getting whiplash from how much they've shifted their narrative on this guy because he's very good at his one thing and he, uh, he's pretty. And so apparently that's warrants keeping him on the show. Um, basically, what I've decided is if if he isn't eliminated this week, if he's down in the bottom and they don't eliminate him, I'm not watching the show until he's gone, because it's bullshit. It's bullshit to all the talented people that they didn't let on the show so they could have this guy. And every person they've eliminated when they sh- when this guy clearly, clearly is not able to do what they're asking of him. He is not suited to choreography. He does not have the experience. He doesn't have the training to be able to do it. And he's not picking it up. He's hurting his partners. He's like, he's going to be a partner killer until he's gone. It's just ridiculous. And it causes me to, like, I want to support the show, but their horrible record of um, of basically gay erasure They've never mentioned any person being gay on the show. Like, they're happy to talk about boyfriends and girlfriends. There's Like, there's never been choreography where they could say, this is about gay marriage. They always would be like, it's about, you know, two men who are friends and help each other out and really support each other and have a strong bond. Oof. Yeah. And there's so many... And they, they love to tell guys on this show that they're being weak. They need to be stronger. But what they mean is they need to be more stereotypically masculine. And uh, And then when they... You know, like and the comments from some of the judges that are very sexist and very heteronormative and criticizing anyone for not falling into that. It's just it's really frustrating. So when you add on top of that, this blatant, blatant play to a, a young teen girl audience, like who's getting the most woos from the audience. Like, guys, the audience put them in the bottom three. Clearly, they're more interested in these other people you need it, it, sorry. I'm I'm just I've been rambling on here. I'm very upset with So You Think You Can Dance right now. Uh, this is where I'm at with the show. So all right, Asif has got to go. It is bullshit, bullshit. So you think you can dance? Anyways, moving on to Bojack Horseman. Uh, you had already seen all of season two. I had uh, I had some 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 unpacking and organizing and things. So I had I had a marathon. Uh, I could choose between *Orange Is the New Black* and *and BoJack*, and I went with *BoJack*, and I'm so glad that I did because I watched the whole like episode two through what is it, twelve, in a day, and I loved it. I thought it was really fun and really thought uh, thought provoking. One of our writers, Jake Petrie, uh, wrote up season two for us at Sound Outside. He just did a great job talking about how this is really a show that is about depression and about one person's struggle. A person struggle to be happy and to understand what happiness means and what it doesn't mean and how Bojack just is so convinced that there's something broken and wrong inside of himself because he can't just be happy the way that he understands it or the way that he seems to see other people around him being happy. I, and it might just be that reading that review and getting that perspective opened my eyes to what the show has always been doing. But I also think it's because that thread is there in season one. But I think they made it much more explicit and much more. You, it was much a much more accessible theme this season because the season is about him having achieved his career comeback and having money and having uh, a claim and having a chance to to you know be creatively fulfilled. And he's still not happy. Whereas last season you could maybe it's just because he is a joke to everybody that's why he's not happy but they remove that obstacle um in season 2 and it lets you really explore the nature of happiness the nature of um of depression and and what that means so when when bojack is on <laughs> was it celebrities uh do they have, do they know things what do they know let's find out <laughs> talking to Mr. Peanut Butter, um envying his ability to be happy it's just it's really poignant beautifully delivered by a beautifully written beautifully delivered by uh Will Arnett and, and Paul Tompkins and um yeah i really i really like this season it's one of my favorite seasons of tv this year
1: i th- i think as i sort of was trying to say last time i th- i think that that through line of depression came through at sort of only at the end of last season Um, and I, I think having that there, um, I mean, I, even that motif of, of, of that's in there in the premiere and then again in the finale of him trying to learn how to run. Yeah. Um, I think that was such a great little bookend for them to have, for you, for, to, to keep that sort of in the back of your mind, uh, through all this wackiness. And there is a lot of wackiness, uh, the density of puns this season was insane, but I also liked how there was a confidence in the way that it kept some things from the first season and then was... Willing to jettison them and find new things to do and new ways to expand its world. Uh, for instance, the whole Vincent Adult Man thing uh, <laughs> was still, f- still funny, uh, still a great character or a set of characters. Uh, but it basically ended. Like he, yeah, he kind of went away and 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 uh, and she found a new quasi love interest, although that doesn't really pan out. And they were able to do something totally new with that, which was great. And the season was full of stuff like that.
0: Absolutely. It's funny. Well, because you bring in Vincent Adultman, and I feel like that can transition us to our next show, which is What Hot American Summer, uh, First Day of Camp, because there's a character played by Michael Sarah later in the season that just made me think of Vincent (laughs) Adultman. Like, as soon as I made that connection, I was like, yep, he feels like a Vincent Adultman. And I don't know if you're going to watch. The whole season, so I don't know if you're going to get to that point, but if you do, I, I would, or if any of our listeners have seen all of the season of uh, First Day of Camp, I would, every, I would enjoy hearing what they think about that that parallel. But um, I watched the whole season, all eight episodes. I'm, a, I enjoy the film, but not to the extent that everyone else that I know who likes likes it does. I, like, I, I think there's some things that really work and others that just don't and go on way too long. And um, for the film, and I, I was looking forward to. This season, but not nearly with the like the the fervor i guess of 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 many of the many of my colleagues it seems like people either love wet hot American summer or they just it's they think it's not funny at all, and so I'm kind of in the spectrum on that How do you feel about the film, and did that inform your take? Does that like relate or correlate i guess to your take on the the season
1: uh i I really have no feelings. Of any kind towards the film, I'm sure I've seen it. I'm sure I found parts of it amusing, but it was—it's been so long that I really don't have any kind of attachment to it whatsoever. Uh, and I don't know if that's why I watched the first two episodes of this and felt massive waves of indifference, which—which which I really shouldn't, because you know it has everyone in it, um, and th- theoretically, you know this this blend of surreal humor and uh sort of you know stylistic homage should be right up my alley but honestly in those first two episodes the only thing that even got a chuckle out of me was uh was Paul Rudd and his scoff off with himself <laughs> uh that was great that was about 20 seconds of screen time in two full up in in a full hour of comedy I figured if they if that's the best they can do for for, for the first two outings I, I felt like I could comfortably set the rest out
0: I was laughing so much. And and when I wasn't laughing, I was very much enjoying the time with these. I watched episode, like, back to back to back to back. Um, and it was another situation where I was able to, you know, a stretch of time so I could just keep them coming. And I was so glad. I kept clicking to the next one, clicking to the next one. Um, and every time, especially, it was funny, when I was watching BoJack, they always, like, they doubted. Like, I don't believe you. Are you still, are you still watching? I'm like, yes stop pausing in the middle of my show um and so i was having that situation with wet hot american summer as well um but no i i i was laughing so much like how do you that's the only thing that made you laugh josh charles come on
1: yeah no that didn't do anything for me
0: oh it's delightful i love some of these new characters they brought in some some are more effective than others which you know is of course of course that's gonna happen. But I mean I loved actually seeing H. John Benjamin.
1: That doesn't happen very often. I I don't think we've seen him since uh since he got a van.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I which by the way I do need to go back and watch that show because I haven't. But it was so fun for me to watch because not all just because like with each line delivery it kind of went back and forth between whether I was hearing Bob Bob Elcher or if I was hearing Archer because <laughs> like I, I, I was seeing him talking but it's like my brain superimposed Bob over him like when he's mm-hmm. like worrying about money I'm like okay that's Bob and then when he's saying other things it became Archer Uh it was just so delightful and, and of course he's also giving a, a, a strong physical and and uh you know emotive performance as well it's not just him being these other personas but because i have such a correlation with these other characters and that voice i like kind of couldn't avoid it so it added actually a fun meta level to it um yeah that is so odd to me that you're just nonplussed i really i really enjoyed it um i'm gonna have to write up a piece or something for sound on Sight because i i had so much fun and and i think it also really takes advantage i think it's the right length um eight episodes it could have been it could have been trimmed down to to, uh, six or seven probably but i think it really takes advantage of the netflix model to to be you know episode to episode there's a clear through line you know there's arcs over the course of of the entire season um but also just having that structure of it's a day at camp really makes marathoning it work you know you you watch these different relationships develop over the first day of camp and they say things like well let's go over to lunch and lunch will be a half an hour and then like you pick up with those characters the episode later because they've spent the last half hour at lunch like that kind of thing it's not in real time but that kind of approach to it really does work as far as I'm concerned and yeah it's just I had a lot of fun I had a lot of fun with, with these characters and how ridiculous it is I mean Michael Showalter like when he's describing what happened at different you know points in the season I don't know how much of that you got in the first couple episodes but like, the way that he, he introduces himself to, like, this kid and the, the having some actual kids versus, you know, they keep reminding us, well, you're all 16 now. I mean, I thought they really handled that well to make it entertaining and not grown worthy because that don't necessarily work. But I think they really, there's just such a fun ton- tongue-in-cheek without being over the top to the point where it's annoying with that that it really worked for me.
1: I did find it amusing how, for, you know... The fact that it's a prequel and you have half the cast, uh, you know, all this returning cast, and yet, and some of, and like most of them have aged like normal people, uh, but some of them are Paul Rudd or Elizabeth Banks or Janine Garofalo. <laughs> <Jeanine> Garofalo.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're just like WTF. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that I have, yeah, it's, it was fun. It was fun seeing how they addressed that or just didn't at all. Um, there's a line towards the end. It was something about how it's gonna be such a reju- I, Well, I shouldn't say because in case people haven't seen it. But there's a, a nod to the aging, um, in, in the last episode that I think really works. And yeah, I just, I had fun with it. I, and maybe because I wasn't anticipating, because I don't have, I don't put the film up on a pedestal, um, that may have helped you know how I, how, you know, it was. It could be somewhat of a surprise. I was expecting to watch one or maybe two episodes before we recorded, and I ended up watching them all. So, uh, yeah, clearly I was having fun with it. But um, yeah, I don't know if you should watch more. If you weren't laughing at the first two,
1: I feel I, like I, I, I got the point.
0: Yeah, it's too bad because like there's these fun bits that I want to reference, but you haven't seen them. So I don't know if you're missing out or if you just. You know, again, it'd be a thing where you'd be like, "Yeah, that's the thing that happened," and I would just I be, but but it was so funny, and you'd be like, "I didn't, I didn't laugh."
1: I don't think I'm gonna get any FOMO out of this.
0: No, I don't. Ugh, that's too bad. Well, I listeners, let us know if if you watched What Hot American Summer. Let us know if you're your team Simon or team Kate, because uh, I really did have a lot of fun with this one, and I look forward to uh, people sharing their favorite moments and their favorite characters with us. I mean, I. Again, Rich Summer is is so much fun also as one of the henchmen, but I got to give it to Josh Charles for, for like, he's wearing two polo shirts, both popped. Come I, on.
1: I, I saw, I it's, saw.
0: It's funny, though. You I, say I, you I saw, spent, but it's funny.
1: I, I spent a lot of it saying, I see what they're doing there. I see why some people will find it funny. Yeah. I get what the joke is, but I'm not laughing.
0: Don't watch anymore, then. <sighs> Definitely okay. don't watch anymore. Well, how about review uh, the premiere? We we talked. We I guess I feel like I can say we waxed rhapsodic about it last week on the podcast. We loved this premiere, bare knuckle brawl, blackmail, glory holes. Um, it's clearly this is more your speed, uh, as compared to Wet Hot. But um, let's talk a little bit more in, in specific. First of all, Alison Tolman. I mean, come on, Alison
1: Tolman. Uh, super fun here. I feel like I should clarify. The um, <laughs> Comedy Central put up four episodes on their site, so of course I watched all of them. So now I feel like I can effectively preview the season. Uh, ah, okay. In, in, in I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, but I, I think, the, and I don't think it's anything that you don't see in, in, in this premiere. They, uh, they have come back swinging, and it's a, it's a. I would say it's a ballsier season than season one. I don't think it's necessarily always for the better, but I mean, even this premiere, I mean, (laughs) there, this is a take no prisoners season. It's, it's, uh, it's more intense. It's, it's more, it's definitely more awkward. There's it for, for people who have difficulty with cringe humor. I, I think some of you will have real problems getting through some of these episodes, um, possibly including this premiere. Um, and there are some incredible visual gags coming up as well um but anyway that's all I'll say about the season so far i' I don't know whether it's it's better than season one yet or not but I do think it's uh they, they're they're going for broke basically is my overall feeling and you can feel that in this premiere
0: yeah which makes sense because the first season is is his like descent into insanity through his commitment to this to this show and um and so it it has to start out more straightforward because otherwise if it started with him getting shot, he would not have done the show, but this season two premiere can he's, he's done so much crazy stuff. He's so invested in this show has to be worthwhile or else he's done all this crazy stuff for no reason, including Mm -hmm. get his uh, father-in-law killed in space. Um, (laughs) So he's just so invested that he can't turn back now. And so the, them going for broke with the season they start out by having him get shot and then then falling in love with Alison tolman only to blackmail her for stealing pills which she's doing <laughs> and like theoretically dealing them and then the glory hole segment which is just just, mwah. It's just a thing of beauty
1: <laughs> the glory hole segment is great um there is that's another thing that happens this that that happens throughout the season that I really enjoyed is they, they toy with the notion of how uh, how Forrest interprets people's requests, uh, because it's not always as straight. It's not necessarily always what they intend. It's not always a straightforward relationship. And also his there's something just so great in the way Andy Daly plays the character in that he uh, he is so frequently causing causing offense to people. And he never ever means to, and uh, or he's just like he he's just so uh, despite the fact that he's living all, all these experiences and, and and is going through so much emotional and physical trauma, he never seems to really learn anything, and he doesn't, and he seems to be very unaware of the world around him as as we get in that glory hole segment, and that that combination of naivete and uh, seeming like. The, the willingness to put himself through anything, I think, makes him kind of a unique comic figure.
0: Well, and put others through anything yes. as he does when he's blackmailing his girlfriend. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's yeah. it is such a specific blend, and Daly does a wonderful job managing everything. Yeah,
1: and and like you mentioned, like there, there's something odd about the conceit and about the character where he's not just an antihero. Like if it was a character doing all these horrible things. Without, this, without the conceit of the show, you, you wouldn't care. Like, you wouldn't yeah. care about this guy. you just say, oh, what an awful person. But because he is always just doing his best to honor his commitment, it kind of makes it okay for him to do all those terrible... I mean, it doesn't, really. Like, it's, it's still horrible to watch, but that combination of, of empathy you have for his position, cross, cross-referenced against the horrible, horrible things he sometimes does, makes for a very strange viewing experience.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And because, uh, like, he's still agreeing to do it all, but he would never do this stuff if he wasn't on the show. And no. so that, that that does give a little bit more leeway. Not a lot for me, but a, a little bit more. And it, it also just just structurally having that, you know, knowing that there's going to be a new, new segment at, theoretically every 10 minutes or so with commercials, that, that also helps when he's doing these ridiculous things, because some part of your brain and back is, like, ticking the clock, and you know this is only going to be another, like, five minutes of him ruining Elson Tolman's life. Um, so uh, so that I think that helps with it as well. It doesn't let you get too bogged down in Because, like, you never see the after effects for other people in what he's done.
1: Not like, usually, no.
0: Yeah. For him, you do, but for other the others that he's affecting, you don't really... It doesn't really come up, so uh, I think that certainly helps. Well, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season and certainly this week's episode, um, which you've already seen, but yes. I'm trying to, to stay with our, our listeners th- th- with this one, so we'll see how it goes. But let, let's go on ahead and move on to our next show, which is Key & Peele um, Severed Head Showcase. Uh, what, the, the highlight for me this week was definitely the Teacher Center instead of Sports Center. Oh, uh, What worked for you this week and what was less memorable?
1: So I, I guess this is the week of me saying that thing that you think is funny and that you like isn't funny, uh, because the the teacher center thing. I mean, it was nice, it was heartwarming. Uh, you know, it was the the, the, the the you know the the satirical point was obvious within the first twenty seconds. Uh, I didn't, I don't know if I even cracked a smile during it to be honest. Um, it was nice but not funny, and I don't, I honestly don't know if anything else in the episode landed either. The actual titular sketch was awful.
0: Yeah, th- I'm just shaking my head at you, Simon, because uh, for me, what works in that it's not just the premise, though I enjoy the premise, uh, but it's also the details and the specificity of it. So, like, when, as they break down the teacher calling on the kids, and when they're doing the play by play of of the teaching scenario, I'm enjoying that specificity. Um, when they have the, and it's also for me, it's also a bit of a comment on the level of critique of many of the the sports. Um, shows like this that I, at least that I've seen, it feels like they're not, well, a lot of the time it doesn't feel like very specific and very, um, high level, shall we say, very nuanced sports reporting. So I think that actually kind of also works as a, when you put, make it about teaching, all of a sudden it seems like it's just, they're pointing out obvious things. Um, but no, that, that scene really did work for me. I like the ticker across the bottom. I like the ad for the car, the car ad at the end, um, you know, with the teacher as well. Like, I really enjoyed it. I And as a teacher and as a, you know, someone from a family of, of teachers or various types of educators, I, um yeah, that one spoke to me. I'm very glad that they, that they did it. I, I, I will, this is exactly like square smack dab in the middle of my wheelhouse, so I will always enjoy a sketch like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. to me, it was it was one of those sketches where I was like, yes, I agree with you. But that was sort of the, the that was the end point of my appreciation, basically.
0: Well, instead, let's, you know, the, I, oh, and I should also mention the, you know, was talking about being in my wheelhouse, the opening sketch with the choir also really worked for me as someone who's played in ensembles before, where one person is just, they're just off, and you try to, like, play a little more pointedly in the correct way to try to get them to fix it but they're very sure that they're right and so then um the way like i thought that they nailed what the those interactions are like and when or when you're um you got you and then you then of course you're paranoid that you're the person that everybody's like when your stand partner starts playing more um emphatically you're like oh wait am i doing it wrong and they're like trying to tell me like non-verbally and yeah i thought that I could also identify quite a bit with that opening sketch as well.
1: Yeah, I, I, it was probably the best sketch of the episode. And I mean, I feel like whenever I was in choir, I was that guy. So, I mean, <laughs> I there are probably enough. dimensions of that joke that I could never get.
0: Fair enough. Well, let's move on to our last show of the week, though, which also had had some delightful musical uh, interludes here. And this is Rick and Morty, Morty Night Run. Um, I mean, we, I feel like we got to start by talking about thought. He likes the name thought.
1: I feel like we have to start with the video game.
0: Okay, Roy, right?
1: Roy. <laughs> I would have. I like that, uh, and it was. This was pointed out elsewhere. I think on the AV Club. I like that they managed to to rip off the Inner Light as a video game in the space of like two minutes, <laughs> and then its sequel later on in the in the commercial. I I love that conceit so much.
0: Yeah, it, and 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 just like the visual gag of uh. What is it, Roy? Two Bob or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. D- d- delightful, delightful. Um, now that was uh, that was Jermaine Clement as yes. Fart. I couldn't place him immediately. Seriously? Uh, well, I've only seen a couple episodes of Flight of the Concords. That's another one that I wait for a, a guest to request, and we'll do on the DVD shelf, and then I will have seen it. But um, no, I didn't have HBO or Showtime or whatever channel that was on. It was on like, HBO. HBO, yeah. I didn't have HBO at the time, so I was unaware of them until after that had been, you know, gone for a while. Um, but yeah, it was, bu- it was bugging me because I, it, I want. At first, I was like, "Is this Keith David doing a voice? Is this like I know that I recognize this this person, but um, but I thought it was delightful. I liked just the the camera holding on Morty's face as as Rick is just like going on about. Well, at least no one died and and everything. Was uh I, I very very well done. Very well animated. The the, the <laughs> just the stress, you know, and the dis- you know the um the guilt there. I thought was really nice. And of course, the whole the the home for Jerry's yes. delightful.
1: The home for Jerry's, and we should mention again. Uh, I guess this our this week's superstar Andy Daly again as the yeah. cheerful as the cheerful intergalactic hitman. What a yeah. great twist on a very very worn out sci fi trope. Well, and
0: I love that. Like you see him, like have a picture of his wife. and... I just put, love killing. I just love killing. You know, uh, and, and so like when 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 Morty kills him, you know, oh, there's a there's a Mrs. Andy Daly intergalactic killer guy um, back back somewhere who's not gonna see her husband again uh, or sweetheart or something or his sweetheart. I I can't tell gender with. Uh, it's, it's very pedestrian in me, very Earth-centric to, to bring gender into it with aliens. But uh, no, I thought that was delightful, and uh, I could recognize Andy Daly right away. Um, so it was a very Andy Daily week of TV for me. Do you have any other elements of this episode that you wanted to specifically mention?
1: Uh, no. I mean, I, I, I when, the, when the musical segment started, I was like, okay, I don't know if this episode really needs this. But then for some reason, having it show up a second time just completely sold it.
0: Yeah, it, uh, yeah and again the way it was animated and and brought back together yeah i had a lot of fun with it so then what wins your week in comedy and reality
1: uh i will give it to review uh although also i should mention i was at a crowded a very crowded bar during the the ronda rousey fight uh and i have to say that was a funny 34 seconds
0: (laughs) fair enough uh yeah I, i did i did hear about that um Oh, this one's tough for me because that was a fabulous episode of review, and I really liked Rick and Morty, and I really liked a bunch of other stuff. Um, well, I'm not gonna give it to BoJack just because it's easy for me to eliminate, because it eliminated because it came out so uh, you know, a couple weeks back there. But um, I will. <sighs> Yeah, I'll give it to the review premiere as well, um, with a close second to to Wet Hot American Summer and and BoJack. Um,
1: Can I ask, yeah. did you did you feel like BoJack was a comedy for you this season? Because I know you said you enjoyed it more as a drama last season.
0: Yeah, I think it worked as a comedy because I could engage with it as a comedy because of how it was talking about depression. That felt more like that felt more like the, the character and his struggle to try to be comedic and try to be like, it's like, it's a like show, it's a comedy built around a, a person who is uh, dramatic or who, okay. who, who is, and, and that having that context to it really helped my appreciation of it as opposed to a person who's trying to be funny and it's just not, I'm not laughing, okay. which is what happened last season for me a lot. So understanding that having this such an awareness that, Oh no, I'm not supposed to be, thinking that this is funny <laughs> uh, let the other elements of humor really come to the fore for me and okay. um, so yeah that's a long answer long way to say yes okay. I thought of it as a comedy yeah right yeah uh, but yeah I, I'm I'm also for a single episode I'm gonna give it to review um, all right and I, I look forward to hearing what everybody else has to say about all of this week in comedy but for now we're gonna take a break and come back with our week in genre and drama
2: maybe it's time we got back To the basics of love Let's go to Lucanbock, Texas With Waylon and Willie and the boys This successful life we're living Got us feuding like the Hatfields and McCoy's Between Hank Williams' pain songs Blueberries, train songs, and blue eyes crying in the rain. Out of text. Ain't nobody no pain.
0: This week in genre and drama, we're going to bid a fond farewell to Halt and Catch Fire, which has finale Heaven is a Place, and then uh, Unreal Princess, their penultimate episode. Before we move on to Deutschland 83, their penultimate episode. Bold Guard, Humans. Their penultimate episode, or anti-penultimate? I uh, know,
1: they've got eight, apparently. Okay. I think this the was six.
0: Anti-penultimate episode, episode six. Rectify, their anti-penultimate episode. Girl, Jesus. I wouldn't, didn't intend to do all this, but it just works out. <laughs> Mid-season uh, episode of uh, Hannibal, though, you're beginning of a new arc, so it's more towards the early end of the spectrum, I suppose, in the rest of these shows. Uh, and then Mr. Robot, Brave Traveler. Not pen anything it's
1: de- dead center of their season
0: dead, dead center of the season so a lot of these shows are, are wrapping up but let's kick things off with halt and catch fire heaven is a place and now you pointed something out to me that i was not aware of because i was i've been very aware that halt to catch fire has not yet been renewed for a third season what i didn't know until you pointed it out to me is that the reason that hasn't happened is because no one watches it
1: no one um Around the time, if Wikipedia is to be trusted, around the time that Rubicon got canceled, and I do recognize this was a long time ago, ratings were different, blah, blah, blah. It had over a million viewers a week. Uh, and right now, Halt and Catch Fire is not even pulling half a million viewers a week.
0: Ah, oh, like, like that's physically painful to me that, that yeah. so few people are watching the show that is so good.
1: Well, and it, it's... It... I don't know what kind of numbers it was doing last season, but there's something very disheartening about a show. Obviously, everyone unanimously agrees that it's way better than it was. Yeah. And now it it seems extremely likely that it's not coming back.
0: Now, do you? What do you think the reason for that is, if there is one? I instinctually, just with my my lens, end up thinking, yeah, sure, make the show about the women and make it way better. But, you know, interested in feminism and all of a sudden nobody's watching it. Um, I don't know that that is fair, though. It feels like that might just be my bias and my, you know, reaction instinctual, like seeing sexism where maybe it doesn't exist. Uh, what do you, what do you think about about why so few people are watching? Uh,
1: I really don't know. I mean, maybe maybe they the die was cast by that first season. And yeah. it's just it was never able to recover from that. I don't know. I've long since given up trying to figure out why people do and do not watch things. Um I will say this was a, a very fine finale and I think it's a pretty decent series finale. Mm-hmm. Uh if that's what it ends up being. Uh there were I was I was happy with some of the tougher decisions like having Tom not show up on the plane. Um it made sense for the character. Uh I don't think if the show comes back somehow, I don't think he needs to be there. Um, as, and I think that's, that can just be a nice bittersweet thing that stays the way it is. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really think of any false notes this, this, this premiere had. It wasn't like there was nothing about it that was, uh, that really, there were no twists or anything on the level of what happened with Cameron last week. Um, it was mostly just very, uh, very sensible, very, uh, very sad, mostly denouement. And I thought it, it did that very well.
0: Yeah, I really like the way they brought together, uh, or, or tied up, I guess, in a way. It's not like everything's resolved, but the way they they concluded everything that's been going on with Donna and with Gordon, I thought that ended really beautifully, and the, the conversation they have in the the, sh- the toy house or whatever that is. I think it was uh, a
1: dog house, or was it? I don't know.
0: Uh, it looks like a playhouse, you know. It's, you know. It looked like the house, the playing ha- the playhouse from Playing House that the, the two leads sit in. Um, but uh, I really love that conversation. And, and and as they're trying to, as they're acknowledging that what's broken and how to fix it. When <laughs> I loved, again, through my feminist lens, I loved when when Donna, when he's like, wait a second, but Joe's not, but she's like, you've got to be kidding me. I feel like a crazy person right now because I'm saying exactly everything you said and you're discounting all of it because I'm the one saying it, which is a thing that I've dealt with many Mm -hmm. times. Something that I've become more and more aware of in myself and in trying to fix that fault of immediately assuming when somebody says something that, well, they probably didn't perceive it correctly. Basically, immediately just the, the instinct to not believe someone when they say something. Uh, I, f- I feel like that's something that a lot of us struggle with. I don't. know, Maybe that's just me, but um. So w- so I really enjoyed that conversation that they were having in particular, and uh, I like to think those crazy kids will work it out when they're in California.
1: Uh. Well, yes, it's nice to think that they'll all work it out in California, um, because it, it seems like they're they're all converging around the same spot. Uh, do I don't know if anyone really needs Lee Pace to work it out, <laughs> but uh, it seems like that's destined to happen anyway. Um. Yeah, I mean it was there was a nice balance of of oh and f yeah moments like Tom not showing up on the plane but but Bosworth showing up um, that was a nice little moment uh, nice little sort of get 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 the gang back for one last bittersweet ride um, yeah I thought all that worked it was broad and not like not altogether unpredictable but uh, but well executed and no surprise given given the given the name of the episode that it ends with that fantastic Talking Heads tune. Uh, which was a little bit on the nose, but I didn't mind.
0: Yeah, the the music has been one of the definitely one of the highlights for of, of this season for me uh, get, I, mean, I shouldn't say that because there's so much I like about this show. It's not like the music stands out above the other elements. But as a podcaster who draws music selections from the week's TV, it's been lovely to know that I can rely on there being some awesome music on Holt and catchfire uh, that I can that I can reference in our in our podcast. So I will definitely miss the soundtrack if uh, if nothing else when uh, the show does or does not. back um yeah fingers crossed but you know very
1: skeptical fingers (laughs) i don't think i mean i would not be upset with amc if they canceled it like it's at a certain point it's like nobody's watching
0: it's like they're they are in a business you know they are trying to make money that's why i'm not upset with nbc for for canceling hannibal or for moving it to saturdays because nobody is watching it and they they're not in the business of not making money um (laughs) Yeah. So so, yeah, as much as I would love for them to be that, this is not the 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 patron system. You know, this is not uh, sponsors from on high of art. uh, As much as there are certain shows we feel deserve that, but now um, I
1: feel like there needs to be like an Indiegogo TV network.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm sure that the you know if you can. The trouble is having that actually stay indie because you got to get people to throw money at shows and a lot of people to throw a little money or enough people to throw a lot of money at shows that they have no nothing about. And that is, I feel
1: feel like there's some kind of hybrid system that could work here. I just don't know what it is.
0: Yeah. Well, check back in five to 10 years. I'm sure there'll be something like that. Uh, But for now, let's move on to unreal princess. And uh, the the show is just trying too hard to set up a, 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 choice here between the two guys when it's clear what they're going to have her do is choose Quinn. Right?
1: Um that that is uh yeah, I mean that certainly seems like it's it's where it's heading. Uh you know, we we we've had this discussion before and I I enjoy Unreal it's been, it's been a it's been a a lovely dark summer pleasure, but I'm not terribly invested in this end game, I have to say.
0: Yeah, as soon as Faith and I like that they bring that up with Faith. As soon as Faith is off the show, I just, like, something else has to happen because I don't see on Everlasting... I don't really foresee him choosing either of those two and that being satisfying in any way. Um, so I don't know what they can do to get me to be invested in the show-within-a-show element of it. Um, I would have loved to have Faith stick around for next season. That would have been fun. But uh, instead uh, in, instead we get, um, you know... I I like some of the the details. I like the references to, um, to to Adam being uh being a whore, basically. Yes. Um, and I, I especially when it's coming from Faith, so you know that it's not uh motivated by anything outside of honesty and and friendship. Um, because I think it's important to highlight why maybe she doesn't want to choose Adam. Maybe it's not the best thing for her to choose Adam. Um, the stuff with Jeremy. We're not actually supposed to think he's a good guy, right
1: uh I don't know um I mean my my overall feeling is like there's there is there were several scenes this week where I was reminded about the sort of more of the early part of the, of the season where uh this where it was more of a show about people making a despicable series making and like trying to construct something try and constructing a narrative and sort of the the problem solving that 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 involves, mm-hmm. and we got a little bit more of that this week, and I love like all the behind the scenes stuff with them shooting with the fake horse mm-hmm. and stuff like that, like those scenes like that are sort of what I would love to be sort of more the building blocks of the show, yeah, um as opposed to the to the sort of the more soapy show that we're actually getting um so yeah, I don't know, I feel like. I'm I'm more interested I'm more interested in the show they're not making which I know is a bad way to watch something but I did like the scenes with uh with Quinn and the intern um and her sort of being sort of trying to be understanding with her as opposed to like sabotage her or whatever.
0: Yeah, and I also like how much of the scheming we've seen is just going out the window uh leading into the finale so this this Quinn's scheming is, has been undermined and I think that that puts a lot up in the air for the finale and I, I'm excited to see how it ends. Um But yeah, I agree that the show, I was more interested in the show that it was for the first part of the season than necessarily what it's right now. But I, I certainly think they've made a very interesting, um a very interesting show, a very strong first season. Uh, I mean, cause remember mm-hmm. most shows are not great in their first season. Um So I think they've done a really good job and I look forward to the finale, uh, which I will be watching this evening.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm definitely not as in love with it as most people seem to be, but I, I, I've definitely enjoyed it, and I'm glad I stuck with it after being somewhat hesitant about it at first.
0: Well, how are you feeling about uh, Deutschland 83, Bold Guard? We get uh, the build-up to to Abel Archer and just kind of everything. just <laughs> I love that our lead here is like the only sane person on the show.
1: Uh, well, I feel like I deserve a little credit because I it was only a few weeks ago that I was saying that You know, it doesn't seem like his spy act is really sustainable. And uh, I'm and and I felt like at some point he's going to have to double agent or something because he's just not good enough at this. And there's just too many. There's already been too many things going wrong within the first few episodes. And I'm glad that that's finally happened. Uh, And by finally, I mean, part part way into the first season. Yeah. Uh, So that's nice. And I feel like that's going to open up some new narrative possibilities for them.
0: Well, and it's also just that um, he he doesn't have the ideological connection that everybody else does. He's he did all this so that his mom could get a surgery, you know, a life saving surgery. That like that is it. He's is not invested in the cause and the you know the the all this different ideology right, that fuels yeah. so many people. So. You know, he would it,
1: really like it if Germany didn't blow up. Yeah,
0: that's is number one, and, and and he, I think it's also because he looks around at the people he's dealing with under when he's undercover and sees a lot more people that feel like he does than the people he's interacting with um, as a spy. Because naturally, as a spy, he's dealing with very intense, very focused on the cause type individuals, whereas he's just dealing with regular dudes on the other side because um, they're lower level. So uh, I, I really like the way that all came together. I, um, <laughs> the general shitty son, <laughs> is it Alex. Yes. Yes. Um, I enjoyed how that kind of went together. And um, I, I, I don't know what they can do with him next week. That won't feel like, cause this, this felt retread E, um, but I did enjoy it. So they're going to need to come up with something else for him. In, in the next episode or maybe they'll just have him be more peripheral as the yes it's the f
1: yeah I don't really know what they what else they could do with him either um to, to go back to what you were saying about the relationship between uh between our our lead I can never think of his name Calibri, except not calibri M- Martin uh, isn't it Martin yeah martin uh st- yeah sorry Stam's his, Stam. his his fake name yeah Stam, love saying that yeah. um I, I just love that no one even though they they value him as an asset, they really don't care about what he has to say Mm-mm. or what his impre- or what his like pretty credible impressions are about what's going on and in in like one of the things that I value about the series in general is the way that the the powers that be on on either side have already decided what the narrative is, and they already are are selling themselves and each other on that narrative, and what whatever else is happening doesn't really matter, no matter what it is. And that like that double blindness is uh, is 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 deeply amusing. I will say I'm surprised that we've gotten so little with the like badass female agent.
0: Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more with her, but as soon as she left the immediate surroundings, it you know, environs, it seemed clear that she was not. I don't I, like. I don't expect her to be back in uh, this next episode. If they did ne- another season, I would be surprised for her to not or somebody you know in a similar role to not pop up. But I mean. He's burned, so I don't know how much more of this they can do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyways, uh, any final thoughts on Witchland eighty three? What do you want to see in the finale?
1: Uh, I just, I just want them to go gonzo with it, just, just have a. I mean, it, the, to me, the the show's better the more fun it is, mm-hmm. and the more they lean into that sort of more broad direction that neither of us were expecting from it so just i feel like they maybe they should just they should just like inglorious bastards and blow up germany i don't know (laughs)
0: there you go um what about uh humans episode six is this gonzo enough for you
1: uh no it could definitely be more gonzo uh i feel like if anything humans has been surprisingly reserved um i i I kind of felt like at this point we, we would be getting crazier and it there's I I'm enjoying the show and I I don't have as many complaints about it as some people do um but I do feel like uh in general the show the the season could have moved considerably quicker.
0: Yeah, it probably could have, but I yeah, when you say uh, the the concerns others have with the show, I really don't get the some of the tweets I've been seeing from from you know friends of the show critics that I greatly respect about not investing in the characters because i'm very invested in laura i'm very invested in the eldest daughter I'm not invested in the shitty husband but i am also very invested in william hurt's character like i like spending time with these people and i feel like i have a sense of them and i like how you know i feel like a lot of times these shows these genre shows that where you have regular people dealing with extraordinary situations i feel like a lot of the times they don't actually feel like regular people they feel mm-hmm. like proto-chosen ones that have not yet fully developed into what they will be in Season 2 or 3. Um these feel like actual people. So I, I've enjoyed the time that we've gotten with them. And uh, now that we have the group theoretically together, um, maybe we'll start to get more gonzo. But um, but no, I you know, I like that it's kind of taken a more straightforward approach.
1: Yeah, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And I, I think that the, the William Hurt and Niska sort of corner of the show is probably the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be curious to see how much of that they can preserve. I kind of feel like William Hurt won't survive this season. If only because then they're unburdened with, you know, it's like the, the move of, okay, we got you in with the star. Now he's gone. <laughs> we don't have to worry about paying him next season. That's just my, my prediction. I haven't seen the following episodes. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think that sort of a weak spot for me is that I'm not wild about the guy playing Leo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's just, I don't know why that's happening, um, but it, I I feel like it's a slight block for me because I, I I feel like I should feel so much for that character and I just don't and I'm not sure why.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, so I am it's i am kind of similar with that and I don't necessarily put that down to the actor other than maybe the actor hasn't been able to transcend the look for me. I I've just had trouble with the look of the character where they're like hair in the face and unshaven and he's got drama guys. His family's been yeah. torn apart. Like that, just the, the design of that character, the aesthetic of mm-hmm. that character um, is, again, feels very, uh, very much like something I've seen many yeah. times.
1: I also think that the writing and performing for the male detective character has been very inconsistent because they've really like they've softened him up so much over the last couple episodes, which is good. But it still doesn't feel like the same guy we met in the first four
0: I'm more positive on that character than you are. Um, I haven't been as frustrated with that corner of the show, um, but I, I definitely liked getting a different take on the other issue, you know, problem area for the show, which has been the villains for us. I like that. They're like, Oh no, we're not villains. Actually, I'm not the villain, which is why the whole being a villain thing hasn't been working. Um, right. So I thought that was a nice change of pace. I don't know that it, solves the problems with that corner of the show but at least it's something different um as for the the male cop we'll see what what you know i just i need something to kind of come out of that part of the show um and i right now now that we have revealed that his partner is a robot um is a synth or whatever that it feels like the that narrative is going to become all about her and then that makes me question why we spend so much time with him so uh hopefully they're gonna surprise surprise us.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess to be continued there.
0: Yeah. Any final thoughts on humans or shall we move on to rectify?
1: Let's do that.
0: Well, at rectify the episode this week is girl Jesus. And uh, I got to say those sons of bitches over at rectify made me invest in Teddy and Tawny's relationship and start to root for them. And I don't know if I can forgive them for that. What what is going on? I want Tawny and Teddy to get back together.
1: <laughs> that is uh that is that's is quite a thing. I mean it, it was definitely the week of of tortured tortured relationships. We had the uh the the senator. We 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 checked back in with the senator and his uh and and the lady he was having an affair with and that is not going so well it seems. Hmm. Uh that's that's that seems to be pretty definitively over, which was really brutal to watch. Uh we had we had a scene with Samantha and John which was also also pretty brutal and sad. It was a little bit on the nose that, uh, again, 0.05% of the audience would have caught this or even cared. But distantly in the background, it's like half heard. But you can hear uh, the Drive by Truckers song, Goddamn Lonely Love, behind them. <laughs> and it's like what probably one of the, like the saddest country tunes of the last 10 years. And it's barely audible, but it was like, okay, guys, a little on the nose, but you buried it in the mix. So I guess it's okay. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the Teddy and Tawny stuff. So there was a lot of heartbreak in this episode.
0: Yeah, but there, it wasn't all that. And I appreciated that. I like what we get with the sheriff and the DA, where they're like, yeah, this, we've put a lot of energy into Dan- Daniel did this. And it just isn't really, I don't think it's what it is. Uh you know, I like I liked that straightforward response from the sheriff. I, I also really liked what we get with Amantha and 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 with Daniel. I like that she's calling him Danny. Uh maybe he was she was doing that earlier and I just didn't notice it I didn't notice it, but um uh I, I really like that and it seems like, you know, just by him talking to her a little bit, she and certainly after the conversation with John, that like that that, that that relationship seems a lot um a lot, clo- a lot warmer, maybe, than it was. And I, there's, I think Amantha shows a lot of grace in this episode, at least in regards to Daniel. And I really like seeing that. Um, I also loved, loved, loved the score throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. It was gorgeous. It starts out uh, very simple. as uh, it's, it's always been a, a really, um, usually a very a simple and... Poignant kind of score. I loved the piano as as Daniel is walking down the the hall to turn in his form, and he's kind of flashing to his incarceration, and the the, the simple piano line gets more uh, gets more like clusters and minor seconds in there, and really more dissonant. And then um, then he turns in the form, and it's sort of empty and And then and then by the end of the episode, there's all these really gorgeous string lines and the guitar, I think, was in there. I could be remembering that wrong, but it it was beautiful scoring. It made me want to write up. I'm not going to because I got too many other things (laughs) to to take care of right now. But it made me want to write up a Kate's Classical Corner about the scoring on this episode. It was really it was really lovely.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, the the show is always aesthetically on point, but I, I think I know I picked up on some some of the some of the scoring this week as well. And uh I, I guess as long as we're talking about heartbreak and people having trouble, I love the way that the episode paired up the scenes of Teddy and Tawny with uh with Ted Senior and uh J, J Smith Cameron and their inability to seemingly get anywhere with 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 their relationship, and just I guess mostly stemming from the fact that Ted's trying to do the right thing for everyone and it's just not working and Again, one of the things the show does incredibly well is finding that place of empathy for every character. Yeah. And knowing that he's as much as you feel for J. Smith Cameron, uh he's being pulled in several directions at once and uh and it can't be pleasant.
0: Well, yeah, and as much as you feel for J. Smith Cameron's character, uh Ted's right. Yeah. I mean, I mean like he doesn't have all of the information, but he has enough you know, like he doesn't know yeah. what Teddy was saying the the horrible the horrible shit he was saying that prompted what Daniel did. But that's not nothing he could say should prompt what Daniel did. So so, and, and then maybe Ted needs to be more understanding of the kind of trauma of coming out of prison for twenty years. But I think Teddy Ted brings up a great point. Like Teddy didn't press charges. I don't know what else you can ask him to do. And so like i love that this episode in this season is with ted you know as much as most mm-hmm. you most of the time on the show there isn't someone who's right um but i feel like in this ted is right but but Jason smith cameron's not wrong
1: mm-hmm. and it all feels bad
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah and then aren't we aren't we selling people on rectify right now <laughs> uh.
0: remember those trailers <laughs> man for season three <laughs>
1: yeah anyway rectify still great
0: yeah absolutely uh, looking forward to the next few episodes I don't want to say goodbye but how are you feeling about about Hannibal and the woman clothed with the sun
1: uh, I'm sure you have plenty of to say about this on uh, this is our design the, uh, the sound outside Hannibal podcast I have very little to say about this episode uh, I thought it was easily the dullest of the season to be honest Um the the going, the going back to the well with Abigail, I mean, nice to see Casey roll again, but I don't really know why that's happening except to fill time. Uh, I don't know what thematically it added to the episode. Uh, maybe you have a better answer for that than I do.
0: Uh, um, well, just, it's a connection to Francis Dollarhide and the role he will likely play between Hannibal and Will. Uh, but no, I don't disagree.
1: Okay. That, that just felt like, oh, all right, we... We, we need to get 40 minutes out of this um yeah and they do seem to be following the original red dragon story pretty closely which i find a bit disappointing
0: do you have any thoughts on uh, Regina wesley as riva
1: uh not yet i mean it's nice to see her um sh- i mean she's gonna be in peril pretty soon i don't really know what else to say about her
0: okay and any other thoughts on alana uh, Alana and Margo are still together, and they have a Verger baby. Uh,
1: th- it would have been nice to get like a like a Sears family photo or something uh, this week instead of just having that being referred to. But uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I don't really know if Alana is a character <laughs> at this point. It's more like, I if you follow her from beginning to end, I don't really know if that's if that's a series of things one person goes through and then they evolve to become that, or if it's just a series of script decisions. Um, but I mean, it's better than not having an Atlanta, I guess.
0: Okay. I disagree on that, but, um, I expound on this plenty over it. This is our design. So I'm going to stay out of this okay. one for, for now. But uh, yeah, I, I do agree that it was, uh, so f- I mean, I'm hoping that what we get later will recontextualize some of what we see hear and give purpose to those Abigail scenes that we're not currently seeing um and the same could be said of some of the other uh, episodes so, some of the other moments in in the episode as well but I like I really like and I, I talk about this over and this is our design and I talk about it in my review it's not on the site but I really love the the directorial flair that this show gives the, like the 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 space it gives its directors to put a, a distinct stamp on their episodes and and make a uh, a John Dahl episode looked different than a Vincenzo Natale episode looked def- different than a David Slade episode we're going to get two episodes from Guillermo, G- G- Guillermo Navarro coming up in the next uh, three weeks and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does but I mean th- I really love uh, the like the way that this show this episode uses um, uses focus versus out of focus with Alana and with, H- with Hannibal the way it does like the cut out thing with Hannibal and the b- black screen and Will as well I like the like the it's not just me, right? That that dinner scene was, like, totally rolled dull, right?
1: Oh, I didn't think about that, but yeah, I could see that.
0: Yeah, I, I really appreciated, like, all these little flourishes, and in an episode that I was less engaged in, so uh, hopefully I will be more engaged with what comes next. Okay,
1: can I just say one last thing about Alana? Like, I, I get in theory the whole notion of keep your enemies close and jail Hannibal and look at... He's Hannibal, and he's promised to murder you, and you're keeping him, like, 20 feet away at all times. Like, that just seems like a dumb idea. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I I feel like it's got to make her feel better to know that he's there. To, like, be able to see, it's like, he's still locked up. Okay. Because otherwise, you just have to trust that he didn't escape. And, you know... I
1: guess I just don't. Try to, I do I don't know why this version of Alana doesn't just shoot him. I just, I just. I just don't. I just don't really see it. She. She seems pretty. Pretty ruthless and determined to do whatever. Whatever's necessary and to protect herself and her new family. Uh, and she's keeping Hannibal right there. I don't know. It just. And he is. He is a man who keeps his promises, and he has promised to kill her. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, let's move on. Speaking of promise to kill her, let's move on to our last show of the week, and that is Mr. Robot's brave traveler um we kept this one for the end because in case you don't watch mr robot and are planning to catch up don't want to be spoiled on anything skip ahead we'll be talking about this for i don't know like five minutes and uh so skip ahead and uh you've been warned and so that happened
1: yeah this i mean well i mean we'll get to that in a second but uh as much as i don't think this was a perfect episode and i don't think it was on the level of the shows i'm about to reference but this was the most stressed I've been by an episode of TV in a long time, mm-hmm. and something about uh, the villainry and the the ticking clock element and the smart protagonist has to sort of contrive a way out of seemingly impossible scenarios really made me think of Breaking Bad.
0: Interesting, yeah. I didn't go to Breaking Bad at all with this, but um, but because you did mention that uh, that to me earlier this week, but um. But I did enjoy it. Uh, it was it was a fun episode, and like you say, a stressful episode. I like the way that they balance his different, the different threats he's facing, and the different uh, pros and cons. The way he weighs it out with totally a different guy, Christian Slater, um, <laughs> really really worked very well. I like the the you know the incorporation of Carly Chakin's character in their more specifically i thought that was that was good um i liked what we got with um with his friend childhood friend who's the name of whom is escaping me at this moment uh i don't know how i feel about the way because i i'm completely uninterested in the guy he just got out of jail that is not an interesting character me character to me at all and having him as a hanging threat over the show or like a character they could bring back i am good never seeing that character again
1: right um I don't know I I think there's there's something interesting about that character in the sense that he when you first meet him he seems to be just kind of like a drugged out knucklehead and to to learn that he has kind of this this ideology to him um even if it is like you know a a, a pretty simple and brutal one I think makes him a little bit more interesting uh, I I don't see him having a lifespan beyond this season uh what wh- however that works I don't really know uh but I think as sort of a uh, Essentially, as as the as the Mister Robot equivalent of um of a Tuco, I think he works just fine. Um, but uh, I don't know. There was a lot to like about this episode. The 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 whole opening. First of all, I mean, this show's got got beautiful credits every week. But specifically, the framing and the uh, the use of the use of "Some Velvet Morning." So much good music this week on shows in general. Uh, Lee Hazelwood, Nancy Sinatra, and um. Uh, oh god what else am i thinking of just the other people have pointed out the the show is developing very much a a signature visual style and the way it for instance it continues to have these shots that are shooting people from the neck up with so much of the frame taken up with ceiling or whatever yeah. uh, what it means is is entirely up to you but it's it's certainly the only show doing that and uh and it's, but i mean the show my favorite shot of of anything this week was uh having um crap what's his name uh danish creepy dude freaking out in the background while his wife was calmly eating a snack in the foreground in perfect focus i loved (laughs) that so much
0: yeah the the visual style of the show is is one of the the biggest strengths of it i would i would absolutely agree i love any of these shows and uh you know a big one for this is always hannibal but any of these shows where you know what your show you're watching if if you watch like a frame if you can just see a mm-hmm. frame or cer- certainly if you can see like 5 seconds of, of of film or of tape then and if you can tell what show you're watching from that you know as opposed to from the actor who's in it i always appreciate that um it really helps distinguish you know there's so much tv and there's so much very good tv that more and more these shows need other ways to distinguish themselves and to to set themselves apart so finding A unique visual style finding a something and something that works for the show and isn't just different to be different um and i think the show i think mr robot does a good job of threading that needle of being different enough that it's that it is noticeable but not but but logical enough or connected enough to the the personality and the tone of the show that it's not distracting either
1: yeah um and I guess to get to the thing that I didn't want to spoil for, for people who aren't caught up on the show yet, uh, I actually I really liked Shayla as a character, and um, I mean people brought up the the, the specter of fridging, of course. Uh, after after this happened, I don't know if I don't know what elements you need to qualify as fridging. Uh, I guess it would need to. I feel like it's only fridging if her death specifically is the catalyst for. His character development from here on out, which I don't know if that's going to be the case.
0: Well, and fridging doesn't doesn't necessarily need to be the character dying. It's putting taking an interesting, developed character, and all, then deciding what you're going to do with them is stick them in a the fridge and put them in perils so that the the man can save them. And it's a woman, and almost always in, in the examples, right. and you know you know having a love interest or just a female character who you reduce to. Uh, a sense of motivation for your male protagonist. And that's what she is. That I mean, that's what they do with her in this episode. Whether or not it's worth it remains to be seen. We have to see how, how the storyline plays out. But um, even if she hadn't been killed, uh, they still would have been fridging her, at least to my understanding of the term, in this episode. And and I think having Chaken along, that character along for the ride and contributing helps counteract that somewhat. Um so it's not just the uh, the the big strong man having to save the day but uh certainly you, well you, on one hand you want to praise the show for having the guts to do that um and not you know putting giving the show a tone that people aren't necessarily just safe this is not your if you didn't already know this wasn't your usual blue skies usa show that right. you know just having legitimate stakes and peril for the characters on the other hand it's a shame that we get this character just removed from the roster. Yeah,
1: thoroughly. I mean I I I think it I'm I'm glad that they took the time to develop her at all while she was around yeah. and I think she was more interest. she was considerably more interesting than she had to be. Um and I think it also helps for my for my process that nothing he did would have helped. <laughs> like yeah. he like he thought he had all these choices and then you find out at the end no that none of those choices were important.
0: Yeah. Well um, the, which makes what he does next, very important because he said if anything yes. happens to Shayla, you're done. So mm-hmm. what does he do next?
1: Right. Um, anyway, I'm I'm still I'm very much enjoying the, the show. I'm glad it got an an early renewal, and it's it's just been great to have it. One more sort of uh, balls to the wall visual, uh, stylistically bold show is always a good thing.
0: Definitely. Well, what wins your week in genre and drama?
1: Uh, I don't have to give Hannibal the Hannibal Award this week, because it was kind of an off episode for me. Um, I kind of... I kind of want to give it to Mr. Robot, although Rectify was great, too, in a totally different way. So, I'm going to give it to both. Mr. Rectify!
0: (laughs) Um, for me, I I kind of want to give it to Hold and Catch Fire, because I really like that episode, and it is potentially the series finale. But, guys, Rectify brought it this week. I'm giving it to Rectify. They did. I'm giving... Sorry, you know I love you, Hannibal. I'm giving the Hannibal Award to rectify this week.
1: Ooh, that's got to hurt. That's a
0: bold statement. Well, a few show notes here before we go to our DVD shelf with Depay and Gupta to talk about Karen Cisco. You can find a post-up for this episode at soundonsite.org, where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can find us in iTunes, where we have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we always appreciate feedback there, uh, ratings and review reviews do help other people find the show you can also find us on uh facebook where we have you can like us there to to follow the goings on on sound side tv and start up a conversation and of course we're both on twitter i'm at the Tullivers and simon you are
1: at sucker howell
0: and uh what is our question of the week
1: Uh, i guess uh inspired by *Halt* and catch fire what was the last show that you were into that you were mystified that didn't catch an audience
0: Huh. Besides, well, yeah, because Hannibal, I'm not mystified. Why? No, that's not at all mystified. That's very straightforward. Um, hmm.
1: Can I can I just remind everyone that review almost didn't get renewed?
0: Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, like a show like Playing House, where last year there was all of this talk about the various different freshman comedies and how great they were, especially a lot of female led. Uh, shows. And I felt like nobody was talking about playing house. And I really, really enjoyed that that season. Um, So, I mean, when you talk about shows that it mystifies you why they don't get renewed, I mean, the ones you have to go to are Deadwood, obviously, uh, for season four. and uh, And even like Firefly, which I was watching live and was like, this show's amazing, guys. Why aren't you I didn't quite understand that other people don't necessarily like Westerns, which is still
1: mm-hmm. you know Or sci-fi shows.
0: Which is odd to me. Uh very odd to me. But uh yeah, I I guess I'll go I'm gonna go with Playing House and and why Review caught on and uh You're the worst caught on and all like we had Ryan McGee on last year. We we talked about like twenty different first year like freshman comedies last year. Mm-hmm. And of the three of us, I was the only one who had seen more than a couple episodes of Playing House. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'll do that one. All right. Have, and so you're going with review?
1: Well, yeah, if, if only because it's very easy to imagine it not having been renewed, considering it it was it took forever to get renewed, and they apparently had to slash their budget, which, I mean, how how extravagant could it really be?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, this is a world where... I know they
1: did go to space.
0: <laughs> but still... <laughs> Well, that wraps up our week in uh, in TV. And now we'll take a break and come back with Dupain Gupta of Sound On Sight to talk about Karen Sisko. We'll be right back after this. Hi, Daddy.
1: Listen to this. Guy goes in to rob a bank,
0: tells his partner to circle a block, he comes running out, gets hit by a car. Who do you think's driving? The partner. Oh, oh they say irony's dead. working today? Yeah, guy in a
1: wheelchair. Insurance scam.
0: How'd he get in the chair? Fell off his desk. They'll do that on you. Every damn time. So, this new guy you're seeing, tell him what to do yet? He still wants to guess. Sounds uh, like an insurance agent. <laughs> Charter fisherman. Doing <laughs> boats. What's his name? Carl Wilkins I always wanted a boat.
2: Bad, you get seasick.
0: What's that got to do with the price of eggs? Live by the ocean, man ought to have a boat. I gotta run. Why, you got something to do? Yeah, I'm back at work. How you feeling? Not you, too.
1: I'll see you tomorrow night at Polk.
0: Bye, Daddy. Bye,
1: honey. It's your thing. Do what you want to
2: do. I can't take.
0: We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsing, joined by Simon Howell. And this week on the DVD shelf, we are dipping into the uh, one season wonder bag. It's been a little bit since we did some of that, as well as um, a, a another Elmore Leonard show. We're big fans of Justified here on the Televerse. So I'm kind of surprised it's taking us this long to talk about Karen Sisko. And here to help us talk about this uh, this series is Depayen. Depine. So DePine, welcome back. Sound its own.
2: Great. Thanks for having me back.
0: Now, what made you want to talk about Karen Sisko?
2: Well, uh I actually did love justified just like you guys did and I've generally loved a lot of what I've seen from Elmer Leonard uh both in terms of reading his works and the stuff I've seen uh on the on the screen big screen small screen so uh I was really interested in seeing what another version of his uh what another version of a TV show from Elmer Leonard looked like hence the uh dive into Karen Sisko. and the fact that I you know, I'm I'm probably one of the few people who wasn't that particularly impressed by Jennifer Lopez's turn in the character in out of sight. I mean, I thought she was she was good in the role, but I didn't think she was, uh, you know, a, a big revelation. So I was really interested to see how uh, Carla Gugino would interpret the character, because if I was going to make a short list of people who would take on that role, Gugino would be pretty close to the top on that, if not the top choice.
0: Yeah, I've been a big fan of hers for uh, pretty much as long as I can remember. Uh, I'm not actually sure what I first saw her in, Um, but this was one that I think I'd seen like clips or things here and there for the series um, at some point, but I hadn't really like dove in with, with the show and it can be challenging to find. So there's that, which doesn't help, but um but I was very glad to to have it come up on the DVD show because I've been meaning to see it and really uh you know, especially after Justified, get this this different take on you know, the Elmore Leonard world and one that, you know, he co created the sh- I think he created or co created the show. So he was very involved in it. Um and uh and so to really see a different kind of Cher uh Marshall and a different kind um you know like at the beginning of Justified, he's in Uh, Raylan Givens is in Miami. He's in basically the office that we see Karen uh, Sisko working in throughout this series. And so to see what that, a a different take on the same kind of world with a very different lead, uh, I was excited to to dive in and I I had fun with it. Uh, Simon, had you seen any Karen Sisko?
1: No, uh, except of course for the episode of Justified in which Carla Gugino turns up as Karen, not Sisko. Yeah. Um, Is her name still Karen on there?
0: I don't think they ever, did they say her first name?
2: I, I believe so. I, I believe she was Karen Goodall, and then uh, Raylan mentioned yeah, Goodall, right. and, and then she said, "What? No, no mention of the deputy marshal, or or well, she had she had some specific designation.
0: Well, yeah, she had gotten married and then gotten unmarried, <laughs> pretty pretty quick succession, is what they said. Um, so he, he was like Goodall, and she's like, I got married, and I got unmarried, or something like that." Um, so, yeah, uh, yes, she was playing Karen Sisko. I would have loved for her to have turned up in the end when he's in Miami again, just like in the background of a scene, but apparently we can't have everything we, we like.
1: So, yeah, I hadn't seen any of the show itself at all, um, and I didn't really know what to expect. And I I think the main thing for me is I knew that it, it was Gugino as this character. Uh, I really didn't know anything else about it. I didn't know that Scott Frank, who wrote Out of Sight, and is now sort of on his own directorial career, um, helped develop this. Uh, He also wrote at least one episode. And uh, I didn't know that Robert Forster was a regular on the show as her dad, um, (laughs) which if I'd known that, I think I probably would have watched it already, to be honest, because uh, just the the idea of Robert Forster as your dad is the best idea ever. Um,
2: Except when it's on Heroes.
1: Apparently, yes. I never, I didn't watch Heroes, so apparently I missed something where that was a bad idea.
2: Uh, and, and he was, what's... he was the dad of uh, the Petrellis.
0: Ah, uh, yes, that sounds yes,
2: familiar. Arthur Petrelli on Heroes, and yeah, that was a forgettable part of the. Much like the whole show, it was a very forgettable part that underutilized him.
1: Right. Um. And if I had to describe the show to anyone, I don't think it's this good.
2: But it, it, it,
1: it amazed me how much it was almost a perfect 50-50 cross between Justified and Veronica Mars.
0: Yeah, I thought of those. I definitely thought of Veronica Mars.
1: Well, and for two main reasons, actually three. One, it's, it's, it's breezier than Justified, uh, which made me think of Veronica Mars. Two, um, obviously the father-daughter relationship. And three, the very overt noir influence. Uh made me think of Veronica Mars as well. And then everything else, I mean the the justified element, it all comes from El Leonard.
0: Yes, absolutely. And um I agree it's not as good as, as that would have you think. Justified means Veronica Mars. But um and, and I, I it's not as good as I wanted it to be. However, I did have, have fun with it. It's one of those where it doesn't come up in that first conversation of what are the best, you know, cancel too soon. Um, one season wonder kind of shows It usually at least in the conversations I'm having in the corner of the internet I frequent um, It doesn't seem to come up very much there There it's just more every now and again in relation to Elmer Leonard or Carlo It would be like Oh, by the way, did you know or did you remember that this is a thing that happened? Which is how I also didn't know that Robert Forster was a lead character on the show I was so excited when I saw him uh, in the credits um, and I really think that, that father daughter relationship, much like on Veronica Mars is a huge part of what works. I think the other biggest part of what works is Carla, Carla uh, Gugino. Uh, I also really like Bill Duke, but, um, but no, she's a very strongly. I love that she is a 30 something lead on, on the show, like early thirties, but I love that they don't try to make her be like this young up and comer, like 20 something sexy. I mean, she's, Carly Gugino, she's gorgeous. She will always be gorgeous. But I, I like that she felt like the character had more um, gravitas or more weight, and more more experience behind her, which is something that I feel like usually doesn't happen in these uh, female-centered cop or, you know, in this case, W. Marshall or, or P.I. kind of shows. So I liked that there really is, it's so centered on her, and there's never a doubt of her competency. But again, for me, it's the Elmer Leonard of it all, it's Carlo Gugino, and it's that father-daughter relationship.
2: Definitely. I mean, I think for me, this is the kind of show that got canceled too soon, uh, not because of the potential, not because of the quality that it was at, where it ended. But I think because it was working towards building a kind of universe that would have been really fun to see in the show's maybe third or fourth season when when we'd gotten in touch with all of these characters and we'd gotten to know all of their relationships to each other and to Karen Sisko herself. The show really felt like, especially around the eighth or ninth episode, that it was really working towards building this kind of world in Miami uh, that that Karen Sisko regularly traffics in, uh, you know, where she meets with these people who are familiar with her and her father, and you know, one her enemy one week is her ally the next week, and I feel like this is the kind of show that would have been really fun in the third or fourth season, much like, you know, any uh, an Albert Leonard story depends a lot on being familiar with the characters, and Justified was definitely a lot more fun when Dewey Crow popped up and you knew who Dewey Crow was rather than you know having to be introduced to him, so I I, I feel like the Karen Cisco would have gone down that same path if it hadn't gotten canceled.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and I think even by the end of the, the 10 episodes that they made, it, you you can feel that happening. You mentioned the 8th and ninth episode. We get more time with the Poker Buddies, Brothers Poker Buddies. But I would point to Kate Walsh, who I think is fantastic, as one of the detectives in Miami-Dade, uh, so who she ends up liaising with. Um, and the, one of the things that the show does so well, um, who would have thought, because I wouldn't have, that uh, in 2003 to 2004 you'd be getting a show that does an episode about a trans woman, with this kind of sensitivity and respect because that's the thing that happens kate walsh is playing a lesbian who hits on karen Cisco every now and again but they're good friends and they you know they there's a brief moment of uh, not so oh you're straight oh well we can still hang out and be friends and i like the the handling of of those issues i was really surprised very pleasantly surprised by and and so when you when you talk about the world that they were building I, i saw a distinct improvement in the show over the course of these 10 episodes. I can't imagine what it would have been by a season two or three.
2: I, I just wanted to cycle back to the Marley Novak thing. Uh, you know, when she comes back in a subsequent episode and Phil tries to hit on her, not so subtly, the joke is not that, oh, Marley's a lesbian, and haha, lesbians are crazy. But the joke is on Phil that, oh, he's hitting on this woman who's clearly not interested in him. So yep. I, I thought that was also a great aspect of the show.
1: I I also like that, uh, and this is something that I don't, I can't think of a lot of shows doing, uh for, especially in those at the that that early string of episodes karen is dating or screwing someone different yeah and sometimes there's an obvious reason that they're not doing it any, anymore by the end cuz they're losers she dates a lot of losers um and sometimes there isn't and there's no there are things that are consistent from episode to episode but the, but but the dating isn't really from what I like at least i i to, full disclosure i watched the first 6 and then uh skipped to the end uh, so I, I missed some later ones, but her her dating life is just kind of like, just like, what's she up to this week? Oh, that's interesting. And then it's just dropped. And I found that really, that, that was sort of a, a, a novel, a novel factor that there's no love interest, really. Although they do, they do play up um, the show's essentially low rent Boyd Crowder played by Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> uh,
0: well, you know, who, in the first episode... Um, yeah. Yeah. But no, and I like that, that every now and again, they do have a callback because they have fabulous chemistry in that first mm-hmm. episode. So I like that later when she says, well, there was this one guy, but I shot him. I <laughs> shot
1: him. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: that really works for me.
1: Yeah. But I, I, I just I I enjoyed how much of a parallel that is to the justified pilot. Um, yeah. Should should mention this is this is a really like it's one of the it's a really strong pilot. I think the pilot is one of the best episodes.
0: It really establishes the world and the, the tone of the show very well. And also, I mean, even just from that first episode, we should talk a little bit about the theme song and the credits, which I love. And they've been in my head on a loop for the past week.
1: Hmm. Yeah, they're, they're really great. And it, it's, it's also great to have a show that, uh, that only has three principles. And then it, I felt like that gave them so much room. For, you know, to to bring in like this rogues gallery of guests in in a very similar way to Justified. uh, And actually some of the same, some of the actors are the same even. And what surprised me is that in that first, in that set of first uh, six episodes, Gary Cole shows up a few times and he's like the least interesting guest. Mm -hmm.
0: We have Danny DeVito as the local crime boss. Uh, which is kind of amazing, and they, I'm sure that he was an executive producer on the show, so they could have had a lot of fun with that. Not to mention, uh, Rhea, Rhea Perlman shows up in one of those episodes as well, at, and you say Gary Cole. There's almost everybody who shows up and has a speaking part, whether it's tiny or significant in the episode, almost all of them were people that I recognized and was glad to you know see pop up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, def- definitely. The the, the the casting list for the show is is really awesome. Uh, you know, in in that same second episode with Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman, Billy Burke shows up as one of the the low rent goons trying to steal the baseball. And then as you mentioned, Gary Cole and Kate Walsh, and then uh you know, uh Jake Busey showed up in one episode and and they yeah. all, you know, they all really seemed to fit in really well into the show's universe. It's not it, none of them really seemed out of place. They they came in and then they sort of sp- got right into it and then the last episode uh you know it, which shows that behind the scenes they also had the same kind of care the last episode was actually directed by catherine bigelow which sort of mm-hmm. you know threw me for a loop that i didn't expect catherine bigelow to actually be doing tv work
0: well and you say you mentioned billy burke the the other brother isn't that i can't remember his name
1: it's but, kevin Dillon. i was
0: gonna say it's johnny drama from yes. my crush. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like both of these guys will be leads on other things soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Slight correction there, though. I think, as far as I know, I, uh, Catherine Bigel has done a lot of TV work. Uh, wasn't she one of the? Uh, didn't she direct pretty much all of Wild Palms?
0: You're saying that like I've seen that show, which I, I have not, unfortunately.
1: I, I I haven't either. As I understand it, it was like uh, it was like someone like another network's attempt to do Twin Peaks in the, of course, in the early sure. '90s, hence the name. Uh, but I may be slandering a show I've never seen. Anyway bloop bloop yeah, all i'm saying is not her first foray into tv uh but that was cool to see for sure and that was and that was the uh that was also a, a, a an episode written by scott frank so a good pedigree on that one
2: yeah definitely and yeah and to sort of uh, i i completely blanked on other names but Sandra berkeley also showed up and frank grillo showed up benito martinez showed up in the pilot martha
0: plimpton
1: oh benito martinez
2: is really funny yeah. So so it was really a solid list of guest casts.
0: Yeah, just do yourself a favor. Uh, if you're not sure, if you want to check out Karen Cisco*, go to its IMDb page and just look down and you'll just see name after name after name that you recognize and whose work you've enjoyed. DM um, you know, Scott Wilson, who's another one that comes right to mind. Uh, but no, yeah. there, there's it's a full cast. Of of uh, men and women I've enjoyed in other in other projects, so it's kind of fun to see that every every episode there's going to be at least one actor whose work you've enjoyed elsewhere.
1: And also, like the more you pay attention to who's behind it, the more you realize that if it wasn't for Karen Cisco, Justified literally would not exist. Like John Landgraf is one of the producers on this show now, the head of FX, mm-hmm. and so, he wrote you know. a
2: couple of episodes too. I believe I noticed his uh, name pop up on Teleplay and written credits too.
1: There you go. Um, and some other, like Michael Dinner, I believe, uh, d- directed some of the episodes. He ended up directing some Justified and a lot of other things. There's quite a few creatives who ended up being present on Justified, as well as some of the guests, and of course, Cagino herself. So, you know, if I feel, I kind of feel like if you're, if you're a, uh, a major Justified fan, major Justified fan, you owe it to yourself to at least watch the pilot.
0: Yeah, and again, what I would, what I w- would stress, though, with that, and I agree, is don't expect it to be Justified. Because no. it's it's really really not. It's very breezy. It's it, it's on a network. There's certain beats like when there's a hostage crisis episode um, where Karen and her father are, are wrapped up in things. It's gonna as soon as they call in the the FBI guy, you know he's gonna be a stooge and he's gonna ruin everything. And everything. like there are certain beats that several of these uh, episodes hit. Where you know how it's gonna go, but what's the fun is it's in the execution and it's in the little ways it surprises you. When you we have the episode about the the teen the, the the homeless teen who's seen who's witnessed a murder um, with uh, DB Sweeney as her uh, absentee father there, um, you know you're not surprised by the the turns it takes, but but the the, the amount of humor the the approach of the character, these are what make it you know elevated above you know being the less memorable procedural fare. And I would have loved to see like this show with this cast and these writers on on an FX, if it was made 10 years later, you know like, that would be a show I would have loved to see. but in the in the network um, landscape of of the early 2000s, you know, I think they do a pretty good job.
1: Yeah, there there is a strong procedural feel to most, if not all, of the episodes and, like, a very clearly delineated three-act structure to just about all of them.
2: Yeah, but but that's where, for me, the world-building really helped, like, I, you know, when when the FBI guy comes in, then you know, yeah, he's going to mock things up. But then when Burden walks into, the, when he walks into Amos's office, then, you know, the, the shared history that Burden and uh, and uh, Karen have sort of adds an extra element to that. Even if you do know how things are going to go, it just, it's it still, for me, it added that extra element of, okay, things are going to go bad. And there's a personal reason why. And similarly, you know, whenever Kate Walsh's Marley Novak popped up, then it was really fun to see, even if you had an idea of how things were going to end up.
0: Yeah definitely well did you guys have favorite episodes that you watched uh in, in when when you were revisiting the pine
2: well i i didn't have any specific favorite episode per se i i you know the whole thing sort of worked really well for me but uh if i had to if i had to think back on it I i feel like no one's girl the one with uh, d b sweeney and uh jeanette mccurdy uh, as as the little girl was the one that really worked for me, mostly because of the whole Queen Mary connection and how, and how it showed off the chemistry between uh, Novak and Cisco. But really, I, I enjoyed all of them to, to varying degrees. The, the only one that really struck a false note for me was, uh, was the one where she was dating the Major League ball pitcher because it felt like everyone was sort of nosing in on her love life there. But other than that, uh, other than that it, all, it all worked pretty good for me.
0: Yeah, that yeah, really th- smacked of stunt casting. I'm assuming that was an actual person. <laughs> I don't uh, know I, sports. I,
1: I don't I don't know. Uh that that is a weird episode because basically for once she actually has like a pretty decent connection with someone, even if it is like seems to be ninety nine percent physical. And then they she kind of she seems to ditch him because she's messing with his ball playing career. Well, I, um I think it's
0: because he's being too clingy. That's how I read it.
1: I guess, yeah, I, but I, but I, I don't feel like it would have been happening if everyone else hadn't been such a pain about it. Um, anyway, I think that the episode that I enjoyed the most was probably the uh, I think it's the second or third second or third episode, the Danny DeVito, Rhea Perlman, um, Kevin Dillon, uh, Billy Burke, Scott Wilson, uh, uh, essentially caper episode. It's it's essentially like Get Shorty crammed into forty minutes. Um, it there are so many ridiculous moments and twists and great shots i love that repeated shot of uh of uh, oh well we need a new hitman and they'll, they'll they they get the same entrance from the airport with uh with a plane flying above like straight out of get shorty um that episode was just so much fun
2: and, and they both get killed too in, in hilarious ways yes
0: the uh the the one that actually stood out for me stood out negatively. And that's and I don't remember which episode, which one this is called. The one where the there's the African American family and the 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 no good uh, dad or baby daddy is oh yeah 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 out of jail and the the family like that was a really I think that's the third episode um or maybe the fourth and it's it was a really unfortunate episode because the rest of the at least. Unless I was missing stuff, which is very possible that this cisgender uh, upper middle class uh, white girl from the middle of the country was missing stuff, very possible. But it seemed like the other episodes were much more aware <laughs> and less playing into stereotypes o- about about uh, you know race and uh, and socioeconomic status and all of this. And I, that it was really unfortunate because that was the first one that I was you know I was hanging out with my sisters like oh you should watch Karen Sisko with me it's been really fun. And then it starts, and I'm just kind of like, the other ones have all been better than this one. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, yeah, I, I I would agree with that.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I believe that was the fourth episode, that was because Gary Cole was chasing them too, right? Gary Cole's character, Connor. Mm.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, and and it turn it turns and it becomes, and you think it's gonna be like this this chemistry thing between them, but it turns into no, he's got good cop gone bad and justifying torture and everything. It just really is unfortunate.
1: Yeah, that as I mentioned, the way that they like of all the things they could have done with Gary Cole that may have been the very least interesting.
0: Yeah, but the rest of the episodes I did very much enjoy. I and specifically the ones you guys mentioned I think work very well. Um yeah, and and like you said, Define, any of the, one, the the two episodes that feature Marley Novak really um are a lot of fun, I would say. Those those are the ones that that stick most in my memory along with Dumb Bunnies. I I really appreciate. And this is from someone with uh, some f- uh, family in law enforcement, how dumb a lot of these criminals are. Um, because that is something I have heard said by various, you know, family members in law enforcement. The, the ones that get caught are the dumb ones. Um, and so I really appreciate when that, you know, not every single person she's chasing is a master criminal, you know, genius kind of figure.
2: Even the ones, uh, you know, like in Dear Durwood, which was the one where the guy kept escaping from prison, uh, he wasn't necessarily a bad guy and he wasn't out to commit any real kind of crime. He just repeatedly kept breaking out amusingly.
1: Yeah, he wasn't uh, he wasn't any kind of genius. He was just really good at breaking out of stuff. Um, And he just really wanted to go see his girlfriend, I guess, turned wife. Uh, And and also this notion that that, that the criminals are dumb. I mean, that's that's, again, straight out of the philosophy of Elmore Leonard, uh, which ended up, uh, you know, it. Informing justified in a in a in a particularly major way, and uh, um, I hate to bring keep bringing justified back into this, but when I was talking about how um the show wouldn't exist, uh, justified wouldn't exist without without Karen Cisco. I also feel like justified wouldn't be as good as it is without Karen Cisco because this season and the way that it 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 it's so episodic and uh so like it you know it's very much criminal of the week uh we we're kind of kind of setting up the universe in a in a in a you know over the course of the season, but really it 's very episodic. It feels like very specifically a dry run for that first season of justified and I feel like if they hadn 't worked out some of the kinks and some of the things that didn 't maybe didn 't work so well or that the, or that they wouldn't have done had they not been on a network um then justify wouldn't be as good as it is.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. Uh I definitely think that's fair. Well, do we have any final thoughts about Karen Cisco? Devine?
2: Uh well, uh, you know, as as I'm as I want to do when when I was watching it I was thinking of if they were to reboot Karen Cisco now, uh who who would I cast in the roles? And I feel like uh the uh, you know, I I'm, I'm inclined oh, to say Maggie. <laughs> yeah, just just bring back Robert Forster and Carla Gugino because I watching Wayward Pine, she has not aged a day from Karen Cisco. So just bring the two of them back. I'd watch it. Yep. <laughs> um,
0: what about uh, Caitlin Caitlyn Dever from you Justified. Know, Give her like she, ten years from now.
2: It's, it's actually not a bad idea. She might just be able to pull it off. Or you could just go the Veronica Mars route and just cast Enrico Colantoni and uh, Christian Bell as Cisco, as Marshall and Karen, and be done with it.
1: There you go. Uh, I, I mean, my, my, my principal thought. To, to come out of this is that i feel bad that like i mean robert forster's had a pretty decent post uh post jackie brown career but i don't feel like it is what it should have been and uh, maybe it maybe it would have been had karen cisco kept going but uh i i just i feel like he should have gotten so much more i mean full disclosure jackie brown is i think the best tarantino film and he's a major reason for that major reason um, and it's just it's so great to see him playing in this kind of world again for so long, uh, for, rather for an ex- over like over like an extended period of 10 hours. And I think it's it's really too bad that, to my knowledge, after this, he was never a regular on anything again.
0: Yeah, it, this that was, you know, because I feel like everybody knows that Carlo uh, Gugino is amazing and Carlo Gugino fans know that she had this show um even if they didn't watch it but i feel i like watching this after watching the just even after the pilot let alone, let alone as the show grows over its 10 episodes um i just wanted to be like you know taking walking up to my tv fan friends and just like shaking like did you know that robert forster had a show that he was a regular in in the elmore <laughs> Leonard world how do we not all know this? <laughs> How is this not just like a thing that is obvious common knowledge yeah. to TV Or if you fans? all knew,
1: why did you not tell me?
0: Why, yeah, why did no one tell me? I already felt bad for not watching it because of Carlo Gugino. Adding Robert For adding uh Forster on top of that would have been enough to make me get off my butt.
2: Yeah, and and he was really good in it, and and the chemistry he had with Gugino in that fa- in that father daughter sense was also really good. So it's not like he was miscast in the role. and He did the best he could. He was he was actually the perfect selection for the for the for the role.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: my only regret is that they didn't find room or time for a Pam Greer Robert Forster reunion because that would have been amazing.
0: You know, that season would have two. been season two. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, and and this also just made me. Um, be even more dissatisfied by the the crossover episode we got of Justified that barely used Gugino like at all. She had like two lines of dialogue. It was very disappointing.
1: Well, and she um, got to throw down that guy in the hallway. That was pretty cool.
0: She was barely in the episode. Like the the episode they did with Eric Roberts had way more of that guy than that character than the episode yeah. we got with with Cisco, and that's. I mean, come on, guys. I,
1: th- I think it hurt them that they didn't have the rights to the character.
0: Yeah, but come on, Schmeleri Schnarling. Schmarr- Schmarr- we can do it, you know.
2: <laughs> there was, there's also one more thing I wanted to just quickly mention. Yeah, uh, is that the the pilot, uh, as good as it as it is, is is a very clear like reworking of the actual movie out of sight. And I thought the way they did that was very was very clever in that way. In that it's it's enough that the elements are close enough there that you can recognize out of sight in it, but it's also very much its own beast. mm
0: Hmm. And, and and you gotta love just again. You already mentioned it, but I love that Patrick Dempsey has played McDreamy on now at least two shows. This is like who do we need to be like Dreamboat guy, but it's not gonna work out. Who can, who can be our TV uh, Clooney? Yeah, it, you know I think that really is delightful.
1: Yes, and and the fact that she actually does shoot him yeah. is like is again much much as with the Justified pilot. It's very much like the decision that that. That the, that, that the characterization hinges on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you, Dipayan, so much for coming on and for getting me to finally sit down with Karen Cisco. Where can our listeners find you when your writing online?
2: Uh, you can find me on Sound On mostly in the TV section. Uh, I am currently reviewing uh, the AMC show Humans, and we'll be reviewing other stuff as they come in uh, later on in the season. So, yeah, Sound On on Twitter at Dean Epe.
0: Awesome. And thank you again so much for coming on to Pie Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.